As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to On Farm. I am Anna Davis and today I am outside on the farm at home you might be able to hear the grain dryer in the background it's a bit noisy so i apologize if you can but i am in the field here it's a bit soggy underfoot because it's been raining um i've come out to see the horses they're already giving each other dirty looks because they want to fight over the carrot the pieces of carrot that i've got so hi duke this is duke the big one he's 16 hands and then this is Angus, the miniature Shetland, so he's not even nine hands, we don't think. Hi, Lona. That's Lona. She's 13 too. She's my eldest daughter's pony. And Chuckles, he's in the distance. He's a little bit aloof, so he might not be coming to say hello, but he's 11 too, and he belongs to my other daughter. Um, and I've come out to see them to give them a piece of carrot, but also just because sometimes just spending time with these three boys and a girl we've got um, sometimes just spending time with them it's just really therapeutic even when they're trying to fight with each other um, so as you might have guessed today's podcast is all about horses uh, you'll find out more about it in a minute horses and people actually I should say and it's fascinating so even if you're not a horsey person this is not about riding horses it's about the benefit that they can bring to a whole range of people so enjoy sit back have a cup of tea and enjoy my name is julianne griffith and i'm a director of a community interest company called equiscotia we set it up last year in february 2020 we've done a couple of years worth of pilot projects with equine facilitated learning for um, leadership and of course february 2004 20, we didn't really see what was coming. So by the time we were up and running for a month, we couldn't really do what we'd wanted to do, which was get out there and do stuff with horses. So we switched track fairly quickly. Um, we got some support from the Scottish government through First Port, and I'd submitted an initial business plan to them. And then when COVID hit, we went, actually, we think we want to slightly shift the focus for our community benefit to educating people to do non-riding work with horses to support mental health and well-being because we could see what was coming firstly centers like riding for disabled places couldn't get people on horses and they were absolute experts at getting kids out of a wheelchair and onto a horse but they were a wee bit at sea not sure what they could do that would add value when they were not riding so we put together some online tasters uh, which started last april may time and since then it's just grown and so um We've had about 160 odd people through our online introduction program, which explains 
what equine facilitated learning and psychotherapy are, probably to most people that are involved with the questionism, it's it's kind of horse hugging and a bit woo-woo. <laughs> it's very, it's not really what they do. And, you know, I trained originally as a horse riding instructor way back in the 80s. And I kind of moved away from that field of work, teaching horse riding, to supporting people to develop their professional and personal competencies, really, um, through its coaching in the presence of a horse. Wow. So uh, what types of people then have have gone through the courses so far? And what types of people are you likely to be meeting in future? It's a really interesting mixture, actually, Anna. And I think to start with, the very first cohort was 100% Riding for Disabled Coaches from the Edinburgh and Borders region, and they have been great advocates of our work and have kind of hit the ground running with a couple of centres, one in Edinburgh and one um, in Fife, who have really got on and delivered some super services on the ground, um, supporting mental health and wellbeing when they could between, you know, the different lockdowns. And... um, since then, it's the word's got out and we've been very not strategic about our marketing and hence uh, my initial contact with you. And, and I think it's all gone through word of mouth where we've had quite, a, I would say somewhere between 25 and 30% of the people that have been through our um, programmes have been coaches associated with a member group of the Riding for Disabled Association. Um, slightly fewer horse riding coaches um, who have an interest in the, the personal development side rather than the competitive side of things. We've had people who are, we've got a very successful social entrepreneur who runs a, a fabulous organisation on the borders with horses. And um, the rest of the people are from a real wide range of backgrounds. So we've had social workers, special ed teachers, psychotherapists, counsellors, and people who are interested in that supporting the development of social and emotional competencies rather than a questionism. So why horses then? Um, could these people could these people not perform a Google search or spoke, speak to their local business gateway or whomever and, and find some sort of leadership and personal development training um, where they do it online or perhaps they turn up to an office in the centre of Edinburgh somewhere? What, how is horses um, making this different and, uh, dare I say it, better? Well, yeah, it's very experiential, Anna. So, you know, and you'll know yourself having horses that they sense things, you know, and I think essentially we can, you can go to a classroom and learn any amount of theory, but there, I think it's for the majority of people, some element of experiential learning and reflective practice is really what um, leverages some change, really. And most people are going to some kind of training to learn something new so they can do something a little bit differently or a little bit better or a little bit more efficiently. So the wonderful thing with horses is that people are more likely to listen to the signals they get from a horse than they are to another human being. Horses and all other mammals, really, that that have got this, um, our brains work differently to theirs, basically. So, you know, we we have a cortex wrapped around our brain, which means that people tend to suppress their emotions and try to think through problems. But horses don't work that way. They live in the moment and they are the original mindful being. And you watch a bunch of mindful horses in a field, you're watching the original kind of office dynamic play out there. And people learn to look at the finer signs of how horses communicate and predominantly horses communicate non-verbally. So with human beings, they do say it's, 
you know, over 80% of our communication is nonverbal. So we can help people to get a wee bit more in tune with themselves. So it's very much about self-awareness, regulating the self, and understanding how your own way of being impacts on the people around about you. And that's something that's quite hard to learn out of a textbook or in a classroom. It's really a much more powerful thing to experience it in the space with a horse and some other people. So we are speaking to each other on Zoom at the moment, just because time and geography dictates. Um, But if I was with you now and we were in a, a riding arena or a field joined by a horse and I was participating in in one of your programs what kind of thing would we be doing so for example you've got horses on the farm there I would say you could go out and try it tonight and it would be not being so busy and anyone who's involved with horses already has usually got a very long to-do list and you've got these animals to look after you've got a family you've got a job you've got whatever other commitments you have um And I think for me, making that shift from horse riding instructor to kind of coach facilitator um, was a bit of a leap, actually. It's more about awareness of being present. So if you went out to your field tonight, rather than rush to do the jobs and get back in to make the dinner, if you just took half an hour to sit somewhere near your horse, whether it's in the field or in the stable, and just be and notice what you notice. That's very interesting, actually, because I would say my eight-year-old daughter is very good at that. She Sometimes I envy her. She doesn't have to hurry in and, as you say, and cook the tea and do the washing. She doesn't have a sense, the same sense of urgency in her life. And quite often we say, oh, where's, where's Honor gone? And she'll just be outside, just being with the horses and having a chat with them probably telling them her woes yeah that's not something that that I feel like I have time to do because I suppose I don't understand even as a horse owner I don't understand the importance of doing that so I guess what what you're saying is yeah for people who already are already immersed in in equestrianism could benefit from just taking more time and listening to the cues yeah, listening, um, listening to the horse. I mean, the whole yeah. equestrian sector is moving forward at a pace um, in terms of what's in it for the horse. There's been such a lot of bad press in the last year or so about how people engage with horses. And I think the wonderful thing about the work that we're doing is it kind of supports that social license to operate this relationship between the human and the horse, because there's quite a growing body of evidence that the more the horse has choice um, over its situation, the better for its well-being and some of the practitioners in the states have got some papers supporting the fact that this kind of work is actually as good for the horse as it is for the human and it's you know when you see a herd of horses in in operation they kind of co-regulate so they sense things that are going on you know if one spooks at something the others run away and if you know i read a story once about a herd of horses that got in a highly aroused state because somebody had lit a match and set a little fire off. It had sparked off a horse half a mile away and it had whinnied and the whole of the rest of the herd that couldn't see the fire were in panic. So what actually happens is if a horse is calm and it's breathing slowly um, and the person is a bit anxious, we see it all the time in therapeutic settings that you don't have to do very much, but the person automatically, by virtue of being in the space with the horse, 
their heart rate variability begins to kind of align. So the Heart Math Institute have done some studies to show that it's the same with kids touching, you know, stroking a cat or a dog or a horse. You know, you you automatically, when in that space with the animal, are um, tuning in to its way of being. So if it's a calm horse, highly anxious people can be calmed down by just being in that energy field beside the horse. Um, you don't really have to do a huge amount. And it's not like going for therapy. It just happens by itself. So it's more fun. And kids love to come and groom horses and rub them and stuff like that. So it's it, it's a whole lot more um, appealing to most people than going for psychotherapy in a room somewhere. Much less daunting as well, I imagine, for, for many people. And I suppose what's, what's coming across as well is that, um, you know, you talked initially about the benefits of this on people's leadership abilities and I'd be quite keen to come and talk about come back and talk about that in a bit more detail but actually what you've said also there is this is not just about leadership this is about um, well-being and mental health and anxiety and effectively what whatever um, areas of our lives we feel need improvement or we need to work on or we're worried about my husband's going to hate me when I say this, but a horse is the answer to everything. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it, it can be. Yeah, it can be helpful for lots of things. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually. Um, but but yeah, the leadership thing. And the reason why I'm asking is that actually last week's podcast, we were talking about women in agriculture and a new programme that's ongoing at the moment um, looking at personal development for women and allowing them to strengthen their skills, uh, but particularly in, in the area of leadership, because, you know, there are a whole th- many things coming into play, not just for women, but for everybody, you know, in terms of confidence and the ability to feel as though your voice is being heard and the ability to get your voice heard. So when it comes to leadership, I know obviously being around the horse, as you said, makes people calm down. It makes them more perceptive to nonverbal cues. But specifically when it comes to improving our leadership skills, what kind of things are people learning when they come through your courses? Oh, I, I, I kind of, it's a bit, a bit corny, but it is horses for courses. It depends what challenge they bring with them. But if I can give for an example, we had a group of leaders from the education sector a couple of years ago, and they basically they they were all quite senior people aspiring to be you know in charge of an educational establishment, and they were on this leadership development course, and they got put into a bit of a huddle to spare ideas on okay what are the biggest challenges in our sector, and um, so they took a bit of time to kind of decide what the major challenges were, and one of those was mental health of everybody involved, the, the, the people, the, the student, you know, the, the, the academic leaders, the lecturers, the students, the workplace providers, all this thing. Um, and they got asked to create a representation of their sector um, in a kind of alleyway. And they were to position these challenges, the three key challenges that they'd all agreed on. And the really interesting thing from that particular group was how complicated they made their vision of what it was on the ground and they made it so highly complex it wasn't until they realized how really complicated it was that my goodness could we not make it simpler um and there was one particular person that was a real interesting moment for me where everyone was asked to be to, to be contributing to a particular personal challenge they had as well and each were asked to have one little item and one person instead of picking one item picked 12 hoops and I thought mm, I think I know what's coming here next you know you've always got hoops to jump through wherever you are 
And so this person scattered all these hoops all over the place. Then what they did was they got a chance to lead a horse through this. And they didn't just lead a horse as we would normally do to say lead out to the field, but they did what we call butterfly leading. So that means that we give them each a long line. They've got like three meter long lead ropes. They're not really holding the horse tightly. It's quite a smile in the rope sort of effort. And they kind of, they're not allowed to talk during this process. They have to focus on the things that are their challenge and all that sort of stuff. So off they go and they lift their energy and off they go and they walk through. Well, this one lady had the a person she was working with to neg- negotiate the hoops that she had to jump through. And um, the horse either stepped over, stepped around, it wasn't phased by any of these hoops at all. So at the end of that session, we said to her, actually, you know, and in reflection, what, what went on there? What were you what, what were you feeling about this um, challenge that you said? And at the end of the day, she said, well, actually, I'm just realising that all those hoops I thought I had to tell my staff what to do with, just leave them to it because it didn't trip anybody up. You know, so it was just that insight that you you find hard to get um, from feedback from people. Um, but similar things with youth transition programmes, you know, how to get a job. when after 15 minutes, they've each come up with a really constructive, sensible thing about their practice that will help them get a job. Oh, so um, so often in these sessions, then the people participating are not allowed to speak with each other. They've got to, I suppose, take to take a leaf out of the horse's book and use nonverbal cues in order to communicate with each other. That must be quite hard for some people because we're so used to using our voices all the time. Yeah, it is. And I think one of the big, um, well, we don't do that all the time, but it's quite a nice way to, you know, and the other thing, if you're not allowed to speak, the other thing that we can do is we can take away the eyesight. You can either just shut your eyes if you feel comfortable with it. It heightens all your other senses. So it just makes you be a bit more present. And I think it's all about no matter whether you are a young person in care, transitioning to independent living, someone living with a chronic disability, or, um, or you're a high-profile executive leader. It's all the same basics that we all need to get what we need. We want to achieve out of our lives. We all need to have good physical and mental health. We need to have good self-awareness. And it's basically building on emotional intelligence competencies. So it's awareness of yourself, awareness of others, you know, ability to, to manage yourself and an ability to um, you know, engage in healthy relationships with others. So and it doesn't matter where you are in life. That's something that follows you through from childhood to the end, you know. Um, so it can be adapted to meet the needs of the, 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 the goal. It's just like coaching person to person. You set a goal you have a, or you have a theme for a program and you bring in some exercises that help the person to develop the specific competencies they want to look at. Wow. Um, and from a practical perspective, how does it work then? I mean, obviously, we're um, kind of hopefully coming out, uh, dare I say it, of the pandemic. Um, but how, how do you will you operate going forward? Um, for example, you know, if I wanted to bring my team down for a one off team building type day, or if I if there was somebody who wanted to go through a more long term experience, how are the different ways that people can engage with, with you and with, with Equiscotia? With, with Equiscotia, we don't have our own centre. Um, but w- one of the reasons we try to work with other centres is that quite often, particularly what, the one I've worked with now for about seven years, which is near Dunfermline, they tend to have, there be full to capacity for horse riding. They can't do any more. They don't have enough suitable horses to deliver any more horse riding lessons. However, they've got capacity of facilities and resources. So we currently, and in Scotland, most of our work to date has been at the centre near Dunfermline. 
um, where we've done some leadership development and youth transition programs, uh, as well as training, um, providing practical training for our own practitioners. Um, so we would probably find a venue, a partner venue. So there's a bit of a win-win there that we can generate income for a mainstream riding school or a you know charity that has horses. Um, we tend to prefer to work with licensed facilities where we can because we know that the basic safety um, checks are in place there. But we're open to any you know person who thinks they've got the right sort of facility um, that wants to host something. Um, but we have another couple of other centres in Scotland that have expressed an interest in getting involved. So people can come then um, as as long as you know they've got a liaise with you. But you can offer um, sort of more one off sessions. Um, but then it sounds as though you're also very much you know you're a young company, aren't you? So you're very much in the process of training up practitioners to be able to to expand the services that you offer. Is that right? Yes, it is. I mean, we the, 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 at the moment, there's m- myself and Mike as the two main active directors here in Scotland. And we've got K- Dr. Kim Brown, who's down on the south coast, who's she d- tends to do our kind of um, internal verifying of the academic work. But as Mike and I can only deliver so much. And I think there's such a demand now for the work that we're really trying to focus on supporting um, our own network of practitioners. So we currently have 25 training with us, um, five of whom are quite near finishing. So we would definitely be signposting people to their nearest Equiscotia practitioner rather than saying, hey, come to us um, at the venue where we train our practitioners um, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. I think this is so interesting, partly because it's a passion of mine, but partly because actually I can see its relevance to, to everybody. Um but you must have you must have had a few people coming through um, who are petrified of horses. You know how how have you found kind of witnessing their journey? I suppose maybe more satisfying perhaps than than the journey of somebody who's already comfortable around around horses. Yes, that's a very good point, Anna. We we do from time to time. Um, in fact, a lot a lot of this work um, isn't with people that are comfortable with horses already. It's very rare that a horse owner or a weekly riding person at a riding school says, hey, I want an equine facilitated learning session. They usually, once they start riding, that's what they get kind of focused on. Normally, our work involves people that are not that familiar with horses. So the large majority of them would say to me, I've never been near a horse before. We did a course with the Venture Trust a few years ago, which was kids from Glasgow. Not a single one of them had been near a horse ever in their life. They had never touched one. And we we did a combined um, equestrian vaulting and equine facilitated learning program for the last group we did. Um, and within three days, they were all supporting each other and leading horses. They were happy to groom and pick up a horse's feet wearing a blindfold. And they were able to stand on the back of the horse while it was walking. Um, so, um, you know, they, they, they go very quickly in a supportive environment to learning in this new skill and the wonderful thing about that is it teaches them that it's okay to try things that are outside of your comfort zone and how quickly they can build trust with a group um and they can be you know it just automatically creates this very supportive environment i'll never forget the day there was one one lady sent four boys from a school in falkirk they'd never been near a horse before and that particular day we weren't doing the groundwork we were actually vaulting but they, they were coming they were helping each other on and off the horse and they only came for one session and the teacher said, you would not believe the difference in this class in IT. 
that's the first time she'd ever seen them help each other as a group. And she said it took that with them straight back to the classroom and it shifted the whole dynamic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that's it, isn't it? You know, we can in daily life, you know, we all running around in haste usually um, or something. So, so we're busy or maybe something will annoy us. And, you know, we're too used to being very vocal, perhaps very loud, perhaps kind of, you know, running about the place and actually as much as anything I find even just being around my own horses forces you to take a deep breath and slow down because if you start running around and behaving like a crazy fool um you scare the animals so you know even just just five minutes with them can just calm down your day somehow and 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 I suppose that that's just on the very kind of you know minor end of the spectrum but for for people who've got you know real challenges with anxiety or or behavior or mental health you know that small thing can make such a difference can't it it can it's really interesting because we we did this online introduction courses that we do the session we ran last night was basically it's called managing anxiety through being with horses and it teaches people a little bit about the different theories that make you know the, the explanations for why it happens so we we touch a little bit about on attachment theory so that taps into attachment theory between humans and um we lean quite a lot on equitation science um principles so we've got some lovely video clips there um shared by andrew mclean who's based in australia and the folks love to hear his stories about you know how you just scratching a horse on the wither and waiting till the horse wiggles its nose back at you. Um, it basically encourages that connection between the horse and the human and that the heart rates go down by 10 beats per minute when the horse is relaxed and then that then transfers on the person. So the other thing we talk about, about is the polyvagal system. So, you know, how your body reacts when it's calm, how it reacts when um, you are in a fight or flight mode. And then if it got to the highest level of um, anxiety that you might just freeze um, um so we, we we teach a little bit about that and some self-regulation exercises and one of the most interesting comments that we've had over the year or so we've delivered this has been there's a piece of video we show and it, it's horses at peace grazing in a paddock and munching hay and there's something just very grounding and peaceful about listening to a horse munching on its hay. Yeah, we've got we've got four horses and two sheep as well, actually. And quite often, when it's nice weather, I'll sit outside and you can, if they're close to the fence, you can literally hear them pulling at the grass. And that in itself is is a very therapeutic thing to listen to. And just yeah, watching them in a, in such a calm state just just calms you down and that's before you even go go near to or, or touch them it's it's it is really really powerful and I think if I'm having a bad day um just going out for a ride or having a chat with Duke um definitely definitely improves my day uh, Julianne um you you've been going now for I suppose not far off two years maybe 18 months um if if we have if we were to have you back on the podcast in another two years from now, what would you hope to be telling me about what's happening uh, at Equi Scotia? Well, I think we've got plans in the pipeline for new online um, courses next year, which are more targeted towards understanding a bit more about mental health and well-being, and allowing people to go tinker with horses and do something that they can see an effect on mental health and well-being. We've also 
we've stuck to delivery and practical courses in Scotland um, to date, but we've now we've got some we've got a course in Bristol in March that we're about to start promoting, and we're looking to do some other venues for practical training. Um, we have been in discussions with a number of different organisations around the UK. Can't say at this stage where they are, but um, the Bristol dates um, firmed up for March. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be more, we, we will by next year have 25 fully trained practitioners and we will probably have another cohort. We, um, we've got, we'll be taking on a new intake of professional certificate students in March next year. So that'll be another 10 to 12 people from around the UK who could be in the future delivering these services. So in a couple of years time, probably we're going to have about 40 plus practitioners around the UK. I'm really curious about exploring more international markets. We have had online students from um, USA. We had a couple of weeks ago, Barbados and Greek islands. Um, so the, the fact that it's gone online and the introductory stuff's online means there is potential that we might be able to do some practical training in other countries at some point when the restrictions ease a bit. Um, so, yeah, definitely moving a wee bit out of Scotland, a little bit further afield and um, shifting, you know, being a bit more of a funnel for our practitioners, really. And, you know, try, trying to we've got a lovely group of people working with us, actually, and it's quite a supportive band of people. Um, and we're trying to encourage them to work in a kind of co-production approach where they work in partnership and they, you know, they create services that are needed in their local areas. And we're connecting psychotherapists with horse people, counsellors with horse people. And you, you kind of need both ends of it. You need someone that knows how to run a, 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 a safe horse establishment. And you also need that mental health and, you know, coaching um, input that's not the same as coaching horse riding it's like either executive or life coaching kind of approaches yes yeah makes sense um so if you've do you have any scope if anybody listening is thinking oh my goodness that, that being a practitioner is just up my street or somebody might be thinking hey this is just perfect for my wife or daughter or son or cousin um do you have any scope for more people to to sign up or are you pretty pretty chock-a-block at the moment for more for i'd say for all of our practical stuff this year we're sold out but we do have some spaces in november and december for the online course and for next march we um our websites um within the next couple of weeks going to be updated so there will be new information about the new program beginning in march 2022 for professional practitioners but we'd always advise that our intro online is a good place to start because that way you get a sense of the difference between um, coaching horse riding and, and this field of work and it's, it's even if you're already uh, we've, you know we've had psychotherapists counsellors horse riding instructors it's great to get them all in the room together and share their different insights at the intro level and that way you know they know what they're buying into to progress it further and then from for moving on from the practitioners um, from a point of view of somebody thinking, oh, you know, I run a small team um, or, you know, I'm in a leadership role myself and actually I think I just need a bit of a fresh approach. How do people start to engage with you on that front? Um, just send in a contact request through the website, equi-scotia.com and um, we progress it from there. We probably can't accommodate anything till the spring. Um, we're just too busy with other things at the moment. Wow. Yeah, it, well... 
it's amazing and great that you're busy because I think you probably set up, unbeknownst to you at the time, you probably set up this this community interest company at the most challenging time, I think, didn't you? A month before before COVID and lockdown hit. It was really challenging, actually, because Mike um, and I decided to set the company up and he said, it's going to be busy this year, so I'm off to Barbados to celebrate my 60th birthday, which he did. But then, of course, he, he got COVID and got stranded in Barbados. So it was kind of me <laughs> firefighting for quite a while because he got stranded over there. He took a while to get better and he still has long COVID, actually. So his health oh. is up and down. And so... Um, it has been really challenging, actually, but it's, um, yeah, it's amazing, actually. It's just, it's taken off a lot quicker than we thought. I, I did have other work projects I was juggling alongside this until April of this year, and I just had to make the leap to let go of everything else and focus on this full time because it was getting so busy. So, yeah, well, well, fantastic. And and I do want to come back, um, if it's okay, and, and talk to you again Um I know that with a lot of people who go through the course, there'll be a lot of confidentiality that we have to maintain, which is totally fair enough. But I think if if we talk again in 18 months, you'll probably have some amazing stories of, I mean, you've got plenty already, but you know, um, even more amazing stories of people who have benefited enormously from this. And, and I'm really excited because I think, um, you know, as we see the way that our some of our children have suffered throughout the pandemic and, and adults alike and how that's impacted upon home life and business. I think I think I, the relevance of what you're doing in, in my mind is even stronger than than ever before. Absolutely. And I think it's all having to be kind of trauma informed nowadays because, you know, no matter what your family circumstances are, you know, um, every child in the land has been through some adverse childhood experience through not being able to go to school for a year almost um so you know when we're, we're the more people we can help while they are still coping reasonably well and um, the better and I think you know there'll be a, a, a large band of kind of coaches trained to support low-level mental health challenges but the, getting psychotherapists and people involved with more complex things if they are not if people aren't supported at that sort of early intervention stage you know um then it, it can become an awful lot more challenging for them to get well. And also it's obviously more costly. But I think when you see the huge and quick impact it has for people from all walks of life to engage with a horse, um, it, it can make a huge difference. And I've seen kids that half an hour with a horse once a week makes a huge difference to not just them and their anxiety levels, but their whole family, um, especially kids with spectrum disorders. You know, they can be, yeah. thank God they've had their weekly fix of a horse. He's smiling now. He's not angry at me. Um, so yeah, it does. It, it's amazing. It's 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 great work. I love it actually. Oh, I bet you do. I mean, it's literally a no exaggeration, life changing, and that that must be very satisfying for you to see. It is actually, yeah. And it's it's funny because I'm looking at myself thinking, well, actually, it kind of joins the dots on all the things I've ever done in my whole life because I did start life as a horse riding coach. You know, so I did some leadership stuff and. Um, and education and communications and then I came back around to doing coaching executive coaching and then I bolted on this coaching in the presence of a horse and it just kind of so to be that's uh, where we've ended up so yeah it's um, it's nice just to be able to feel I'm using everything I've learned along the way well well done you and and um I'm really grateful for you taking the time to, to chat to me. And um, I've helped found this even more fascinating than I thought I would, actually. So, I mean, it's amazing. And I think um, 
anybody out there who thinks that this can benefit them, please get in touch with Julianne. Um, and also, if, if you already have a horse or your friend has a horse, obviously ask permission first, but just just go outside and be in less of a hurry and spend a bit more time with them because I think I'm going to do exactly that this afternoon and um, I'm fairly sure I'll feel better as a result. So so thank you very much. Um, just before we sign off, just just one more time, could you give people the, the, the website address again, please, Julianne? Yes, it's uh, www equi-scotia.com so that's e-q-u-i hyphen scotia is s-c-o-t-i-a dot com and you can send in a contact request through the website massive thanks there to julianne hugely knowledgeable um she is about horses but also about leadership personal development in fact i met julianne because we both did the scottish enterprise rural leadership program I hope you find that found that really insightful. And if you are interested in getting involved, then um, Julianne obviously gave you um, the web address there. So please do get in touch with her. No, Duke, I don't have any more carrots. You've eaten the whole lot. Um, and um, we always, um, or in this series, I should say, we have started to uh, give you some recommendations for other podcasts to listen to. So today's recommendation obviously needs to be horsey and it is from the British Equestrian Federation. So it's the British Equestrian Podcast. You just need to Google that and you'll be able to find it. Um, and they um, look at um, oh, a whole range of different horsey topics, including all of the various uh, competitions and championships that, that take place. So it's well worth a listen. And uh, thank you again for tuning into the On Farm podcast. And uh, we'll be back again next week.